No coffee, Holmes. Mm. Uh, what's that, Watson? No, I merely asked if you'd like a final cup of coffee. I presumed you'd finished your breakfast. Oh, oh no, no, thank you. I've had enough. A busy day today? Yes. Oh, this has been one of the worst winters I can recall. Never seen so many cases of bronchitis and influenza. These terrible fogs. Oh, uh, wrap up well when you go out, Holmes. No, I shan't be going out. I've got a lot of bookkeeping to do. I hate it and everything involved with money and finance, but... Well, the time has come and it must be faced. Excuse me for interrupting, Mr. Holmes, but there's a message here for you. And Mr. Samuel Wyde left it very early this morning. A pawnbroker, he said he was. present the stories of Sherlock Holmes. Tonight, an item of cartography. Sherlock Holmes' finances had always been a mystery to me. I knew that upon occasions... He'd been rewarded for his most remarkable talents by princes and heads of state most handsomely. Yet, more often than not, he'd solved a crime that baffled Scotland Yard without apparently receiving a penny. Could he be in need of money? Well, surely he'd confide in me, his oldest friend. He'd not resort to pawning his possessions. Surely not. <laughs> no, no, Watson. I can read your mind. My affairs are not in such a parlous state. This notice from Samuel Wise, the pawnbroker in Great Titchfield Street. He asked if it'll be convenient to call and see me this evening. Yes, why I shall write a note telling him to be here after eight o'clock when his business closes. A pawnbroker? Here, Holmes? Do you know the man? Oh, yes, extremely well. There have been times when I've been able to help him out of trouble. You remember the curious case of the blind Madonna? He's cooperated well with me, too. It's surprising the number of people a pawnbroker gets to know, Watson. Wise Fingers, as he's affectionately known in underworld circles, is a valuable between man. Not as an informer, Mark you, but as a man who prides himself on helping others. I shouldn't think a man of such altruistic principles would become a pawnbroker. Well, I have a patient in Belsize Park who will be my first call of the morning, and from there I'll be making my way to Oxford Circus. Should you wish, I can easily drop your reply at the pawnbroker's premises in Great Titchfield Street, as I'll be passing that way. Oh, thank you, Watson. That's extremely kind of you. I shall write it immediately. I did as Holmes requested, merely dropping the note into the letterbox of the door under the pawnbroker's sign and went about my duties in cold, fog-bound London. Inevitably, everything was slowed down, and by the time I'd completed my day's calls, it was far later than usual. I lit myself into our rooms at Baker Street with notions of a quiet, peaceful evening. I heard laughter and realized that we were not alone. Ah, come in, Watson, come in. Ah, good evening. Yes, I don't think you've met Mr. Wise. Fingers, this is my friend and colleague, Dr. Watson. How do you do? 
Oh, you won't know the likes of me, but I've heard a great deal about you, Doctor. It's a pleasure to make your acquaintance. Uh, do take off your cape and coat, get yourself near the fire, Watson, and allow me to pour you a warming drink. Oh, thank you. I'd appreciate that. Uh, the thing is, was just about to tell me the reason for his visit, Watson. I thought we'd wait until you were present to witness it all. You know how I always rely upon you to give me an opinion. Thank you, but when I fear I may be intruding. The more the merrier, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> but I think I should say straight away, Mr. Holmes, that uh, this has nothing to do with any crime. At least as far as I know it hasn't. Well, now, pour yourself another drink, Fingers. Sit down again, and now that Watson is comfortable, tell us what brings you to see us. Well, it was uh, on a Tuesday about three weeks ago. Uh, the bell of the shop door tinkled... And a well-dressed but rather pale young man entered. Yes, sir. What can I do for you? I wish to get some money on this antique map. Could you... I, I mean, that is... Will, will you value it? Yes. Well, uh, this looks quite valuable. Oh, here's a date. Yes, it's um, 18th century... Beautifully worked. It's a privately commissioned map of the Greek island of Idra. You see here the name of the artist, Francois Loudin. Mm. It's an extremely rare specimen, and it must be worth a lot of money. Mm. Here, look, look at the carefully worked decorations around the edges. Oh, old maps are not really up my street, if you pardon the expression, sir. Why not take it to the antique booksellers in Bond Street? Oh, because I, I don't want to part with it. But just at present, I need some money, as you can judge from my appearance. Let me have five pounds on the map until I can redeem it. Five pounds is a lot of money. The map isn't worth it. Oh, but it is. It's a very rare. And uh, Ludai is a famous name. It must be worth well over a hundred pounds. Oh, if that's so, why not sell it? Because I don't want a part of it. Well, give me five pounds. Four. Four pounds, ten shillings. Four. Oh, very well. Four. I'll, I'll write out the ticket. Now, let's see. Number 71. You can redeem the map whenever you like. Six percent interest. Name and address? Robert Beecham, 32 Tunbridge Street, Maidervale. Robert Beecham, Bridge Street, Maidervale. There you are, sir. Four pounds in gold. Thank you. Thank you very much. Do take care of the map. I'll take it back whenever I can. Good day to you. Much obliged. Well, the young man left me, Mr. Holmes, and I placed the map away in a drawer. Didn't think much about it until yesterday, when out of the fog, the door opens, and in comes the most vulgar creatures I've seen in many a day. Elderly and coarsely spoken, seemed very excited. He put a pawn ticket on the counter in front of me, and the number on the ticket was... Give me that map, Mr. Tickety's for in quick now. Oh, let me see. Oh, yes. Well, I can remember this now. That old map. It was handed in here by Mr. Robert Beecham. You come from him? That's right. Here's the money with the interest. Where's that map? Is, uh, Mr. Beecham ill? Uh, why didn't he come here himself? What's that going to do with it? Here's the ticket, here's the money to hand over the map on me, Damien. Uh, no, no, I can't do that. Uh, that map's valuable. 
I couldn't. I could get into trouble if I didn't let, let him redeem the map himself. Oh, I'm telling you, I come from him, and all he want that map. Oh, I'm sorry. If Mister Beecham is ill, then tell him I'll bring the map to him. If he isn't ill, then he must come to me. Now you may as well clear out. You can't have the map, ticket or no ticket. So that's the close of the matter. Oh yeah. I'll call the police, I will. Well, there's a police station not five minutes' walk down the road. If you hurry, you'll find a sergeant on duty. You haven't heard the last of this. I'll get that map. I'll get it, I tell you. If it's the last thing we do. Well, now, as I say, I have a way of sensing when things are amiss. And I was sure they were amiss. So what did you do, Fingers? I shut up shop and I took a cab to Maida Vale. I was sure that young Mr. Beecham wanted me to hold on to that map. I expected him to be ill, or to tell me that the man had robbed him of the ticket. But no, Mr. Rams, he did nothing of the kind. I was surprised when he said... The man's name is Victor Scribben. I owe him money. I thought I might stop him pestering if I allowed him to redeem the map with his own money. Asking him to spend more on you. Are you going to give him the map? Well, of course not. I'm just going to let him look at it. The fact is that the map may be as valuable for the message it contains as it is for its artistic merit. Message? Well, yes. The fact is that the map belonged to my uncle, Jack Beecham. Just before he died, he hid his money away and left a will, which gives everything to the person who finds out where it is. Victor Scribbin worked for my uncle and has as much right to the fortune as anyone. Uncle Jack told me that the secret was contained in the map. Victor found this out and wants to study it himself. And you were going to let him... I've studied that map. I've gone over it with a fine tooth comb, and there's nothing there, no clue at all. If if I let Victor try it, it might keep him quiet. You must be mad, giving an opportunity like that to that ruffian. What else can I do? I'll tell you exactly what you can do. Get the help of experts, my boy. Leave this to me. You're not to allow anyone to see that map until I've spoken to my friend Sherlock Holmes. Call him as soon as I can, and I'll let you know his advice. But until then, I'm holding on to the map. And no one is going to even have a butcher's at it, is there? And, well, that's the position, Mr. Holmes. That's the story. Mm, quite remarkable. Uh, don't you think so, Watson? Yes, indeed. Well, what we do now, Holmes? Well, let's see that map, Fingers. You brought it with you? It's on the sofa in my bag. I'll get it out. There. Good. Now, you want my advice? Oh, of course. Well, leave the map with me. Get in touch with young Robert Beecham and tell him to come over here tomorrow morning at ten o'clock. If there is a message regarding his uncle's fortune contained in that map, we shall find it together. Uh, well, yes, yes, of course. As you say. But although you do concern yourself with the well-being of others, you also have to live. If there is any money found, you will have some reward. If there is any money. Is that it, Fingers? Well, uh, my interest is 6%, as you know. It sounds fair enough, don't you think? Oh, let's 6% and I'll do everything you say. How's that, Mr. Holmes? It was typical of Sherlock Holmes that after Fingers Wise left, he did not study the map at all. He simply locked it in the center drawer of his large desk. Until he gained all the facts from the owner of the map, he was not prepared to investigate the matter. The next day, the fog had lifted, and for the first time in over a week, a glow of yellow light showed through the low clouds. Holmes was engrossed in the morning paper when... There's a young gentleman here, Mr. Holmes. Says his name is Beecham. Shall I show him through? Uh, yes, please, Mrs. Hudson. 
Uh, shall I bring some more coffee? Uh, perhaps a little later. Thank you, Mrs. Hudson. Very well. I'll, uh, I'll show the gentleman through. Robert Beecham was exactly as Fingers Wise had described him. Shabby, but personable. He wasted no time and came straight to the point. What Mr. Wise has told you is quite true, Mr. Holmes. There is a secret in that map that means money. I have been unable to find it. Perhaps with your help... Well, first, give me all the facts. Tell me the whole story of your Uncle Jack and this strange will. Uncle Jack died six months ago at the age of 70. In his early days, he had led a roving life, and ten years ago, he came home with a fortune from the West Indies. How much fortune? Oh, that's the odd part. Nobody ever knew the amount of his wealth, for he was a secretive old fellow who confided in no one. He bought a place of his own in Woking. Just a small cottage, big enough for his needs, with a garden, of which he was very fond. His only great luxury was collecting old books and antique maps. He had an extensive collection. Where is it now? We've sold along with the house and the land. A man in the city claimed the estate and sold it. A creditor? What about the fortune? Well, Uncle Jack was a miser. Everybody knew it. All he gave me was the map. A valuable item. It was an unusual gesture of generosity. Well, tell me all about it. How he came to give it to you. Ah, you come to see me because you think I'll give you money. Is that it, Roberts? Oh, no, not really, Uncle. I am hard up. I still want to complete my studies, but if necessary, I can get a job. Hmm. It seems a pity, though, to have to do so now. No, never mind. Pity didn't have anything to do with hard work. It's leisure that harms folk. Uh, to be rich is to be idle, and to be idle is to waste one's mind. That may be true, Uncle, but these days it costs money to educate oneself. I can't learn without being given the right tools. You went abroad to make your fortune. I have to study to pass examinations. Examinations? <laughs> pass a set of questions. That's not education. Then what is? Life. Life. That's what's education, my boy. Going to school, learning your sums. That's nothing to compare with getting out into the world and finding out the facts for yourself. <laughs> I educated myself, and I can tell you it was quite a task. And you know the chief lesson that I learned? What? That it is all one big, huge joke. Nothing matters much except having a sense of humor. <laughs> it's all a joke. Oh, I don't think I find life very amusing at the moment. Oh, well, you will. Uh, hey, look, I'd like to help you out, but uh, I'll not be giving you any money. I'll give you something, though, of rare importance. I've got it here. On the shelf, under this window ledge here. Yeah, yeah, this is for you, laddie. Oh, well, what is it? Uh, a map? Uh, and a rare one. And valuable, too. <laughs> but not for what it is, but what's hidden within. <laughs> when I die, that map will tell you all. Just read my will and study that map. And we'll see who has the last laugh about my life. <laughs> yes, it is. It's all a joke. <laughs> That was the last time I saw Uncle Jack. Well, now you know everything, Mr. Holmes. Please study the map. Tell me if you can find any clue in there. Very well. And let's start by putting it out carefully on this table. Now, Watson, come round here so you can get a good close look. Holmes used his powerful magnifying glass and made no comment as we all studied the map, section by section. Not one pen or pencil mark marred the creamy surface. There was no hint that betrayed the secret of the hidden money. Finally, Robert Beecham leaned back in his chair and sighed. There you are, you see. There's nothing. Nothing visible. And so, you know my methods, Watson. 
If there's nothing visible and yet something is there, then what is the answer? Just fine, Holmes. Something invisible, I suppose. Exactly. And what is more obvious than invisible ink? What? Precisely. You told me two things about your uncle. One, that he was a miser, and the other, that he thought life was a huge joke. Well, as a practical joker, what is more likely than the use of invisible ink? Lemon juice. That could well be one. Message of lemon juice that we can discover simply by using heat. But what do you say, Robert? Well, it's worth a try. Well, there's a good fire burning in the grate. Now, wait. We must proceed carefully. By Jove, Holmes, a flat iron. You've had a flat iron by the fire all the time. You knew that this is how we'd find out the secret. That's a reasonable deduction. That's purely a question of reasoning. Now, let's get to work. Now, here's a thick velvet pad upon which we place the map first. Uh, pass me that sheet of brown paper, Watson. There. There it is on the desk. Right. All right. Now, place the paper over the top section of the map first. Now, I press the flat iron on there. Now, let's see. Mm. Nothing there. Nothing at all. Oh, very well. Let's place the brown paper over the lower section of the map. Let me take the iron to that section. Now, let's see. Something is this. It, look, it's coming up. Yes. Look, look. The name printed in the bay there. An hundred a series of numbers. Well, what does it say? Can you read the numbers? Oh, it says, uh, uh, 45, 74, 69. Hmm. And the name there, underlined? Theoladakis. Does the name Theoladakis mean anything to you? No, not a thing. It is evidently a Greek name. I have not even travelled to Greece. It doesn't seem to have much bearing on anything. Now, what about the numbers? Let's see. Spaced out in twos. 45, 74, 69. Could be a date. Let's see. 9 of 11 of 15. 18, 15. How old was your uncle when he died? He was 70. Yes, he was born in 1815. This looks like the date of his birth, yes. It must be 9th of November, 1850. Hmm, date of birth and a Greek name. Uh, this property of, of your uncle's at Woking, has it been occupied yet? Well, not as far as I know. It's still deserted. Why? Because it is there that we must take up the case again. Well, you have formed an opinion, Miss. What is it, Mr. All in good time, my friend. I think we can take a train from Waterloo, which will get us down there this afternoon. Oh, and yes, uh, bring the map, won't you, Robert? The cottage at Woking was small and neglected. It was set at the end of a square piece of ground that held a number of trees. Fruit trees were unpruned, and the flowers grew wild with colour among the tall grass. The centre of the garden was a large oak tree, underneath which was an old wooden bench. A peaceful spot in which to read on mild days. It was certainly desolate now, although not quite deserted. For there, under an apple tree was a man with a spade in his hand. He stopped digging and turned when he saw us. Victor Scriven, what are you doing here? Oh, it be, Jim. I might ask you and the other two gentlemen who are with you, what are you doing here? Well, this gentleman is Sherlock Holmes, a famous detective. He thinks he can find my uncle's treasure for me. And I'm here digging every foot of this garden till I find the money. Worked a lifetime for him, I didn't got nothing for a lifetime service. Oh, my, sir. I deserve to find that money, even if I have to dig for a month. I think that would be rather a waste of effort. I think this will provide the answer. Well, a map. Yes, now, let me explain. It's chiefly a matter of numbers. 
Watson, uh, give me the numbers we've gathered together. Well, I'll give them to you, Mr. Holmes. 457469. Right. And now, Robert, the name printed in the base. Oh, yes. Theo Ladakis. Right. Now, take the fourth letter of the name. It's O. Now, the fifth. Uh, L. Oh, I see. Yes, that is the method. The seventh is uh, D. Fourth is O. Sixth is A. And the ninth is K. Which gives us, quite simply, old oak. Then that's enough for me. That's where I'll be digging. No, no, wait. No, 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 let him, let him go ahead and dig. If he finds anything, if he finds anything, we can quite easily prove that it belongs to you. Just let him dig. Old Victor Scribbins started digging. He was digging furiously for two hours at the base of the old oak tree until he eventually found what we were all waiting for. A large tin box was raised to the surface. Chuckling and gloating, Victor forced it open. We all expected to see gold coins spill out onto the damp earth. But instead... What? What is this? A tin trunk? Nothing in it. Nothing. Except a piece of paper. Allow me. What? To whoever finds this. When I returned to England, everyone thought I was so wealthy. They were wrong. I had just enough to lease this land and the cottage for as long as I thought I should live. There is no money. No reward. It's better to be thought rich than to be rich. It's all a joke. A colossal joke. What? Nothing. Nothing. So, I'm penniless after all. Not exactly. You have the map. That's the start. A beginning on which to build your own fortune. I must admit I'm not at all surprised by this. A wealthy miser with a sense of humor is a man I've yet to meet. Human nature is very strange, don't you think? Listen again next Sunday to The Stories of Sherlock Holmes with Graham Armitage's Holmes and Kerry Jordan as Dr. Watson. 